0: Using opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily be footholds of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium.
1: Welcome to Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations on Black Talk Radio. We are glad to bring you another installment where we will be giving you news about the reparations movement, as well as giving you background information about the reparations movement, as well as giving you upcoming events in the reparations movement, because this movement is the movement of the day for people of African descent and this is the one place where you can get more information and get informed about what is going on what has been going on and what like i said is going on and that's coming up as well so today's show uh, again my name is brother Jumoke ife tayo and i am currently serve as the southeast regional representative of encobra i also serve as the male co-chair of the atlanta chapter of encobra And I'm also the facilitator of a special committee we call the i Committee. And um, my co-host is Benita Lacey. Introduce yourself.
2: Good evening, good evening. My name is Benita Lacey. I am the co-chair of Encobra Atlanta, the temporary co-chair so far. And I am also the director of an organization called Healing Hearts of Families USA Ministries. And I am excited to be on tonight. Don't have a lot to say in my intro tonight, except for i like to pay homage to Queen Mother Moore.
1: Yes, yes. So this, thank you, Bonita. So yes, this show, we're going to focus on um, lifting up Queen Mother Moore, and uh, icon in the reparations movement, and in the Black Nationalist movement, and the movement for Liberation for People of African Descent and uh, her birthday is uh, July 27th, her birthday and so often during this time of the year we take some time to uh, reflect on her contributions to the reparations movement as well as we're still in the early phases of doing this show so we wanted to give you more background about INCOBRA specifically and then again we'll continue to Stretch out and talk about other organizations and other periods of uh, reparations and reparations movement, but today we're going to we're going to focus in on Queen Mother Moore, and we're going to just and I'll also give you some more information, just general information about Incopra, background information on Incopra. So, um, Bonita, you want to share a little bit about uh, Queen Mother Moore, and then we're going to play a, a video clip about her.
2: Okay, great, right. I would Queen Mother Moore was an African American civil rights leader and a black nationalist who was friends with such civil rights leaders as Marcus Garvey, Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks, and Jesse Jackson. She was a figure in the American civil rights movement and a founder of the Republic of New Africa. Her she was born in New Iberia, Louisiana. She died in Brooklyn, New York are descended in Brooklyn, New York um, Winnie Mandela paid tribute to her and uh, I want to talk about some of the things that she's done that relate to H.R. Uh, 40 Representative Conyers introduced it in 1989 and this month's hearings would not be possible without Queen Mother Moore the founder of the Modern Reparations movement so I'm giving people a little bit of history about her she was indeed a black woman at the center of the push for reparations for more than a century so therefore we have to pay homage to black women who are sometimes behind the scenes sometimes up front in reparations and uh, in the movement period so um, I like to pay homage to her And that's a little bit of short history. I don't want to go too far in it since we have a a clip. Thank you.
1: Yeah, we'll go ahead and play that video clip now. And we're ready for the Queen of More video clip.
3: So while we're waiting, Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. say this. By Queen mother Moore. she took action. Audley Moore was the daughter of parents Ella and St. Cry Moore, who are the children of former slaves. Moore's grandmother Noah Henry was born into slavery, the product of her mother being raped by her in slavery. Moore's grandfather was lynched, leaving her grandmother to raise five children on her own. Audley Moore was born on July 27, 1898 in New Iberia, Louisiana, where both of her parents would die before she graduated to fourth grade. She would become her family's primary caretaker as she learned how to become a hairdresser by the age of 15. In 1918, she was working as a volunteer nurse in the midst of an influenza outbreak. During World War I, she and her sisters worked in Anniston, Alabama to help create what she called the Black USO to help provide medical care and services for black soldiers. During the early 1920s, while traveling the country, she learned that racism was ingrained into the culture of the United States. It was not just the culture of the Southern states. After returning to Louisiana, she would experience a life-changing moment. She was able to hear the Honorable Marcus Garvey speak about black unity and collective black empowerment. Hearing the words of Garvey would lead her to becoming a member and eventually a leader of the United Negro Improvement Association. More, along with her husband and sisters would move to Harlem, New York during the early 1920s. This is when she became active in the civil rights movement of the time. Despite repeated arrests, she organized a fight for domestic workers in the Bronx and helped black tenants fight against their white slumlords. In 1931, she participated in a march to Harlem along with the Communist Party to advocate for justice for the Scottsboro Board. She would later become a member of the Communist Party as well as the International Labor Defense. As a member of the Communist Party, Moore became the party's representative for the New York State Assembly in 1938 and alderman in 1940. Queen Mother Moore was determined to make a difference for her people. She became a member of the National Association for Colored Women and the National Council of Negro Women. But by the 1950s, she ended her relationship with the Communist Party because it no longer supported self-determination for African Americans. Her next step was to found the Universal Association of Ethiopian Women, which was an anti-lynching group that also fought for the rights of African-Americans on welfare and in prison. In 1957, Moore would present a petition supporting reparations, land, and self-determination against genocide to the United Nations. She would present a second petition in 1959. In her petition, she asked for a monetary sum of $200 billion dollars, and a returning of any African people who wanted to return to the continent. In 1963, she would form the Reparations Committee of Descendants of U.S. Slaves to further her demands for reparations. She would publish her analysis of reparations titled, Why Reparations? Reparations is the battle cry for the economic and social freedom of more than 25 million descendants of African slaves. Moore created a detailed analysis of why African people deserve reparations and how reparations could be paid out to the descendants of enslaved Africans. Moore was able to point to times in history where disenfranchised people have paid paid reparations for their oppression. She was even able to provide information proving that the United States paid reparations to Japanese Americans for their mistreatment. Queen Mother Moore is most known for her international fight for reparations for African people. She was also known for her saying, reparations, reparations, keep on, keep on, we've got to win. Moore was able to mobilize and gain over one million signatures and present them to President Kennedy on the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. During the 1960s, Moore was instrumental in the Republic of New Africa's independent charter as one of the first signers of the document. This charter would help create five independent African states, which would also help in the process of creating independent African nations. She would travel extensively throughout the African continent during the 1960s and the 70s. During an Ashanti naming ceremony in Ghana, Audley Moore officially became Queen Mother Audley Moore. Her first act as Queen Mother was to help found the Eloise Moore College of African Studies, Vocational and Industrial School in Parksville, New York. Queen Mother Moore would die in May of 1997, but before her death, she was present for Nelson Mandela's visit to the U.S. in 1990 and was one of the five female speakers at the Million Man March in 1995. She was a woman on a mission to free her people and didn't allow anything to stop her. She spent the remainder of her adult life fighting for the reparations and the rights of African people. Queen Mother Audley Moore, we proudly, proudly stand on your shoulders. For more information, please visit ww.owntheshoulders1.com. That is on the shoulders, the number one dot com.
1: All right, all right. So got a really good um, overview there of Queen Mother Moore's life. Um And actually, when we get in, we're going to play another clip later on. Um, Shortly, we'll play another clip of an interview where she'll actually tell some of those stories, uh, where she'll give some more even in-depth information about some of those um, different aspects of her life in terms of the meeting where she saw Marcus Garvey, as well as her involvement with the Communist Party and some other things. So we'll get to hear from her. But two things I did want to also lift up is that... um, Queen Mother Moore um, wrote a, a a beautiful poem about reparations. Uh, she actually wrote it on her birthday. Um, she wrote it July 27, 1950, and she also we also have a rare document. Um, I was just blessed, I guess, to be at the right place at the right time. I was at one of the Incobra conventions or meetings, and somebody had this rare uh, document of, of a um, I guess you'd call it a pamphlet that um, Queen Mother Moore and her organization put out on reparations and I used to make copies of that and make that available and we'll probably need to do that again make that available and it's interesting it's got a, a price of $1 on this pamphlet and uh doesn't have a date on it but it's, um, it's about a maybe 30 page maybe 20 page document it's called Why Reparations Money for Negroes Reparations is the battle cry for the economic and social freedom of more than 25 million descendants of American slaves by Mrs. Artley, A. Moore, president and founder of the Reparations Committee for the Descendants of American Slaves. And um, she goes into giving a rationale for reparations, uh, and she also... um, Talks about poverty and lynching, and she gives examples of other uh, reparations claims. So we we'll, we will, um, you know, at some point we'll figure out how to we'll reproduce this document and make more copies of it, make it available. I'm going to read from her poem. It's called. What's the hour of the night? After four scores years of freedom, our so-called leaders say the race has made great progress and we face the dawn of day, but the day is not quite dawning. Millions of my people stand pleading at the bars of justice for reparations and land. We're not free in this country and the truth is the life. So I turn to my watchman. What's the hour of the night? We died fighting for democracy. I admit this is to be true. Yet countless Africans, men and women, have no homes or work to do. If we wish to see by the daylight or the rising of the sun, we need our self-determination, our own affairs to run. Since only reparations will put freedom in our sight, let us turn and ask the watchmen, what's the hour of the night? We fought with the mighty armies when they battled with the Huns, Faced the fierce pangs of combat heard the roar of mighty guns but no change came in our condition when the smoke had cleared away but the blood we shed in battle did not bring the dawn of day all of our suffering and service let us left us in the same old plight so i turned to the watchman what's the hour of the night The whites are celebrating their freedom, a bicentennial whose praise they sing. But Africans are also jumping on board, although we didn't get a thing. We're still struggling for integration, as though it was a glorious fight. So I've got to ask my watcher, what's the hour of the night? Music is an art or science in which African men reign supreme, but the story of our progress is still a vision or a dream. But we have great voices for singing, but we have no voice in court. Imagine being attacked by police dogs just to register and vote. With self-determination, we would have our perfect right, so we turn to ask our watchmen, what's the hour of the night? African men boast of their religion, but I wonder if they should. When you take an inventory, you'll find them not so good. We build thousands of fine churches with the dollars that we give, yet masses of our people have no decent place to live. We say God is our rich father, and yet we always in a tight. Watchmen, strike the match and tell me, what's the hour of the night? Civil rights laws just for us is proof that we're not free. How could we be fooled to think we had a share in this democracy? When foreigners come here, they made citizens by choice. Citizenship was opposed upon us. We never had a voice. The passage of the 14th Amendment took away the right, so you better ask your watchmen, what's the hour of the night? Time is running out for us, a deadline we must meet to file reparations petitions and make politicians earn their seats. If we're to win this battle, every organization must join the fight. Then we will tell our watchmen what's the hour of the night. Again, that's a poem written by Queen Mother Moore. And um, so you want to add Sister Bonita to... Some of what was in the
2: well the clip that's we just so played,
1: true. or I know one thing I did want to make one correction. He he when he mentioned the Republic of New Africa said it was to create five nations. It was actually five states of the South, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi and Louisiana that were to be created into one nation state for people of African descent called the Republic of New Africa. Um, I did wanna make that um correction in the in the video, you wanted to add anything?
2: What I want to say that everything in there is so true, as it as if it was written today.
1: It's true. It's true. You are talking about the poem now?
2: The poem from the poem. Yeah, right? I
1: like. I agree. It's it's true. It's true. She wrote that in 1950, and, and it's still relevant today. You're right.
2: So, what does that say about progress?
1: <laughs> I mean. Well, well, we still seem to be making some progress right now in terms of reparations. But um,
2: but as far know. as the policemen and, and all those sure. things in the poem that were happening, they're still this happening is true. today.
1: This is true. This is true. Yes, yes. So let's, um, let's continue and let's hear from Queen Mother Moore herself. We'll play this um, interview. Uh, this is actually a part of a longer interview, but we're just going to play uh, about 10 minutes of that of this interview, which I think was about a 30-minute interview. Uh, we're ready for that clip now, brother.
4: African people throughout the world. Her name is Queen Mother Moore. Welcome, Queen Mother. Thank you. Um, how did you become known as Queen Mother Moore?
5: Well, that name was bestowed upon me by the African students, first of all. As a result of my years of activities in this country, they uh, gave it to me. And when I went to Africa, uh, to Dr. Nkrumah's funeral, the chief heard about me, and he sent for me to come to him. And I went and he said, I'm going to make you officially Queen Mother, Queen Mother of the Ashanti. And uh, he initiated me, Queen Mother. But I was Queen Mother before I
4: went to Africa. (laughs) Um, Did you personally know um, the late Kwame Nkrumah?
5: Yes, I did. I knew him here.
4: Okay, you met him while while he was visiting here? Yes. Okay, and that is in conjunction with your work. Yes. Um, I understand that you sent a petition to the United Nations in, I think, 1957 um, for uh, reparations for the the black people in America. Explain something about that to us.
5: Yes, the petition called for us to go back to Africa, for those who wanted to go back. And for those who were to stay here, there had to be certain indemnity given for the people who wanted to stay, the people who wanted to go. What kind of indemnity? Well, I was asking for $200 billion.
4: $200 billion to indemnify?
5: Yes, for the injury that we have received. THE INJURY AS A RESULT OF OUR ENSLAVEMENT.
4: OKAY, THAT'S FOR OUR 400 YEARS OF ENSLAVEMENT? YES. AS REPARATIONS, we, were, we, yes. WE REQUESTED $200 BILLION? YES. OKAY, WHEN YOU SENT THIS PETITION TO THE UNITED NATION, WHAT KIND OF RESPONSE DID YOU GET?
5: I GOT A VERY GOOD RESPONSE. HE TOLD ME THAT uh, uh, WE NEEDED A MEMBER NATION TO INTRODUCE THE RESOLUTION, SINCE WE WERE NOT OFFICIALLY MEMBERS OF the. You ran.
4: Is this with the, your work with the Republic of New Africa?
5: No, that was not. I okay. was uh, as a member of the Ethiopian Women, the Universal
4: Association of Ethiopian Women. Um, I understand that you founded that organization. Yes. And what was that organization about? To save our men from
5: execution. They were being executed at the rate of two a week almost. There was somebody being executed.
4: Then unjustly es- yes. executed.
5: Yes, we thought they were unjustly, unjustly executed, and we tried to save some of them. We did save some. Mention a from few. From execution, Labat and Porret. We saved those. We saved uh, Jenkins. We saved uh, um,
4: another brother. Uh, well, there was a number of. Br- yeah. um, uh, people that were saved from execution because mm-hmm. they were unjustly charged with crimes? Yes. And where did this take place? In, in New Orleans. Okay, you are from New Orleans, yes. I understand. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also worked with Marcus Garvey. Yes.
5: Tell absolutely. us
4: first something about Marcus Garvey.
5: Well, I was first brought into the Marcus Garvey movement by the fact that he, I understood that he was to come and speak to us in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to the meeting and lo and behold, he didn't come. And we heard that the mayor refused to allow him to come. So we were very incensed about it and got a delegation to go see why. And um, then it was guaranteed that Marcus Garvey would come the next night. The hall was packed with people and everybody went with ammunition. They had guns? They had guns. Everybody had guns. Blue steel, Smith and Westerns, uh, German Lugas. They had plenty German Lugers because, you know, the war had, boys uh, from the war and everything. Okay. And uh, I had two guns with me. And they all had guns and ammunition, a bag of ammunition. Everybody had a, what you call a, a suitcase today. all oh, right throughout we used to call satchel what was all this ammunition why, so, why were you so armed uh, because we was afraid the police would stop him from coming again okay and uh, we wanted to protect him and so we went 3500 people was in that hall and so when garvey came we applauded very much And he said, my friends, I want to apologize for not speaking to you last night. But the reason I didn't speak to you is because the mayor permitted himself to be used as a stooge by the police department to prevent me from speaking to you. And when he said that, the police jumped up and said, I'll run you in. And when the police did that, everybody jumped up on the benches. We had benches then. Uh and took out their guns straight up. The guns were straight up in the air. Speak, Garvey, speak. (laughs) And uh, Garvey said, and as I was saying, and he went and repeated himself, and the police filed out of there like little puppy dogs with their (laughs) little tails between their legs and
4: filed out of the hall. Okay, after which I understand you started a chapter of his organization?
5: No, I didn't start a chapter. We had a chapter
4: going down there. Okay. Uh And you you purchased um, stock in the... Stock
5: in the Black Star Line, yes.
4: What was that? What was the Black Star Line?
5: Black Star Line was ships that Marcus Garvey was buying.
4: For what purpose?
5: To to go to Africa. To go to Africa and to trade with Africa.
4: He was going to trade, trade with the West Indies and Africa. And what was the result of the, the purchase of the ships? Did they ever get to Africa? No, the, the people sabotaged the ships.
5: There was great sabotage. You know, uh, on, Ga- on Garth's board, he had a lot of enemies of our people. You couldn't talk about Africa in those days without expecting the agents to be around you. You had the agents of Belgium, you had the agents of France, you had the agents of England, and all those agents were sitting on his board.
4: Oh, trying to sabotage uh, his work?
5: And Yes, in the, in the form of black skins. Okay. You see? So they, they sabotaged the ships. All right. And then they charged Garvey with fraud because they were saying that he was selling unworthy ships, you know. Well, how did the work of Marcus Garvey
4: influence your life?
5: Oh, very much so. Oh, yes, because he taught me about the glories of Africa. I never went to sleep anymore since then. Never. I did much study
4: since then of my own on On the glories of Africa yes you've uh, made numerous trips to Africa. Yes. I understand that you recently attended the um the women 's conference the international yes. women 's conference yes yes, tell us about that
5: Yes, that was very great. It was very widely attended with eight thousand
4: women okay. yes. during your during your travels recent travels to Africa, you went to um Ethiopia i understand yes,
5: I went to Ethiopia.
4: Did you uh, witness some of the famine?
5: No, they didn't let us go there. We went We didn't see anything anything of the famine. You wouldn't even know they had a famine.
4: I guess they kept
5: that from the people.
4: I guess that's sometimes like people visiting New York never get to see a That's that's right. that's right
5: that's okay, right they
4: show you the, that's right,
5: the part they want you to see that's
4: right. you have um land in Upstate um, Parksville, I believe it is. Yes. um, You have the Mount Addis Ababa? Mount Addis Ababa. Okay. And you're doing work on that um, mountain. Well,
5: we want to build there a college of African studies. We want to build a monument to the hundred million Africans who perished in the slave trade and for those who died since. All the people who died the struggle. A hundred, a hundred million, million, a hundred million died in the slave trade, yes. So that's our Holocaust. Yes, that's our Holocaust. Holocaust. Yes.
4: All right, this institution that you want to build, the purpose of it will be to educate black people? Yes. If
0: you are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com
1: Yes, I think we're pretty much at the end of that clip anyway, so yes um, we we, um, so good to hear Queen Mother in her own voice um, one of the things i want to stress and I, it's uh, I, um one of the things that is important to me to stress when when we talk about um our story when we talk about uh, her story um we is that oftentimes we, we we i think we've become conditioned in this uh european culture western culture united states to focus on individuals to focus on individual achievement to to highlight individuals and lift up individuals, and so I don't want to, and, and I've and i been one person that, that said that we shouldn't do that yet, and we're lifting up Queen Mother more, but I think it's important if you listen to her bio and you listen to uh, what she even talks about herself is that, you know, she did her work like most activists, like most leaders through organizations, so it's very important that we also lift up these organizations, and this is the real basis of community organizing and activism with people joining with organizations and doing the work. Um, You know, she talked about being a part of the UNIA, uh, and I think when we say UNIA, sometimes we leave off the ACL, it was the Universal Negro Improvement Association African Communities League. That's actually the full name of the organization. So it's the largest um, uh, African uh, organization uh, in the in the world, and as and there still hasn't been an organization, uh, a mass-based organization as large as that organization to date, that um, Garvey, along with um, his organization, was able to build. And you also heard she was a part of the Communist Party for a while. You heard that she was uh, active with the Provisional Government of Republic of New Africa for a while, um, and she was uh, supportive of in Cobra. She uh, she created her own organizations, as I mentioned earlier. The organization called the Reparations Committee for the Descendants of American Slaves, as well as she mentioned the uh, Ethiopian Universal Ethiopian Women's Federation. So, uh, again, it's very important that we 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 highlight individuals because of their work. Sometimes it's so exemplary that we want to lift it up. But I, I, I always want to. Uh, whenever we speak about um, our story and, and history or even people alive today, we, we understand that people do their work through organizations and institutions. And so I just wanted to emphasize those organizations and institutions that um, Queen Mother Moore worked through in order to do the work that she did and have the success that she did have. So I think at this point, um, if you had anything else you wanted to add Sister Benita we might go ahead and, and switch gears up and, and start talking a little bit about in Cobra.
2: Okay. Um yeah I got a couple of questions for new people oh, about who might be on the line. Queen
1: Queen Mother Moore or in cobra
2: About reparations period. They go between Queen Mother more and Encobra. Okay one is, what is reparations for people who may be on the line, may be new, and don't know? And will you name a um, couple of types of reparations that black people have expressed um, and asked for, a demand for in reparations?
1: Okay, I was wanting to actually give you the actual uh, verbatim definition from INCobra if I can pull that up, but okay. basically, um, the the definition of reparations is um, is is making amends for wrong, uh, atoning and restoring uh, a, a people or group or nation that have been um, violated and ha- and have had their human rights violated. Um, that's the basic definition and close to the COBRA definition. the COBRA definition also spells out that the, that the violators can be governments, corporations, institutions, and families. And as important as we engage in the reparations movement. Um, primarily COBRA is focused on uh, government. However, there are movements that we see right now on college campuses in terms of engaging their their institution on reparations, as well as we have had lawsuits and and other forms of people to focus on reparations on corporations and even families. So um, that's the uh, basic definition of reparations, Uh, making amends for a wrong that has been done to a group of people uh, and that can take on different forms. The United Nations, uh, because there were so many different reparations cases being brought to uh, the United Nations, they decided to standardize uh, a definition of reparations and said that def- that reparations represents full repair, restoring the people to the place where they would have been if the crime uh, in- had not happened and they say in order to do that, reparations takes in place of five forms: one which was one which is compensation uh two restitution, which deals with um, repairing all of the institutions and, and things that w- would have been in place again if those people had not been harmed uh, deals with their citizenship and nationality, uh, education, and all of that. Uh, the next one is rehabilitation, which deals with the psychological and mental health and trauma that the people have gone through based on what was done to them and how do they heal for that and having the resources and processes available for them to heal from the trauma that has happened to them. And we know that trauma can also be passed down intergenerationally in, in our case because the, the crime has been waged on us for over 400 years, and there's over 400 years of trauma that's been passed down from one generation to the next. And then you have satisfaction, which addresses how do you restore the dignity of a people. Satisfaction looks at uh, education, again, also looks at um, Monuments and commemorations, uh, an apology, all those things that would help to uh, restore the dignity of the people that have been harmed. And the last form of reparations coming from the United Nations is, satisf- is excuse me, is cessation and non-repetition, meaning that the reparations um, plan. Would include ending the harms, because again, even if we look at African Americans, the people of African descent in the United States, we say that the harms are still persisting, even as we talked about in the poem with Queen Mother Moore, that how those harms of of disparities with education, disparities in health, uh, the criminal injustice system as it relates to us, uh, police murder, police killing, police uh, uh, harassment. And on and on, and so that the reparations package would also include, or reparations plan would also include, ending those, uh, the continuation of the crimes uh, and harms being waged on us, as well as designing in such a way that it would those those harms couldn't happen in the future, which is non-repetition. So that's the. basic definitions of reparations, um, general definition of reparations along with the United Nations five forms of reparations. Then there was another part to that question you had asked me. You said um, what were some examples that was you said? Yes. Yes I did. Yes, yeah, so um some examples well like I said, well one uh, example is um is people have talked about is uh, education is one that's a big one for people of African descent. So you know that could include um, from from pre-K through PhD uh, education being subsidized for those who want um, to go to college or, or even trade schools or even other alternative schools. You know, somebody may want to um, get a certificate in something that may not be say taught at a traditional college. Um, so that, that's, that's one form, that it, uh, a form of a reparation that's been put forward. Another form of reparations is um, freeing of our political prisoners and prisoners of war. Uh, we know from the 60s all the way up to today, we have people who were fighting for our uh, right for reparations or fighting for uh, other, uh, making other demands on the government. And just because they were making those demands, uh, many of them were set up and, and put in jail. And then there's even some who are in exile right now who are not able to come back to the United States because of pending court cases. And they may live now in Tanzania or Cuba or in other places. So that's another reparations demand is the amnesty for our political prisoners and prisoners of war. Uh, another, um, there's there's so many different forms that reparations could, could take. Matter uh, of fact, that's probably a show again in and of itself. Um, you know, some people say in terms of the compensation, you know, um, you know, not paying um, taxes um, would be another form of reparations for people of African descent. Like I said, that 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 could be really broad and deep, and we could, you know, we could spend a whole show just on talking about Brother Jamoke forms of reparations. J-
0: mm-hmm. Brother Jamoke, um, Scotty here. Yeah. And greetings to you and and Sister Bonita. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree. Yeah, one of the things that our organization has been pushing for through the Black Talk Radio Network um is the actual abolishment of slavery um as we've you know mm-hmm. done programs on New Abolitionist Radio and talked to representatives of Encobra, talked to representatives mm-hmm. like Walk International uh, uh the incarcerated workers uh organization Um, that's doing a lot of this uh, um, organizing behind uh, national prison strikes in the United States. But, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I have to always interject in these conversations that slavery has not been abolished. And that's part of what the U.N. um, did issue a reparations report, as we heard Queen Mother talk about. Her, you know, uh, uh, trying to go through that avenue right there, and so the UN last year did issue a a, a report, and and so um, it also includes what they call mass incarceration. Um, UN said, man, mm-hmm. for the continued mass incarceration, police terrorism, and what have you. And, and so, you know, a lot of people having that conversation about reparations are limiting it to just, uh you know, 1600s to 1865, but there's plenty of scholarship work that shows that it still continues slavery in different forms, which the UN recognizes because in the Declaration of Human Rights, it says slavery shall be abolished in all its forms. So it's recognizing that slavery takes on various forms, and in the United States via the 13th Amendment, um, it says uh, slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as punishment for crime. And and then that Mm -hmm. really puts into context uh what we're still dealing with the same black codes they don't call them black codes no more they just call them laws yeah. they call them drug they call it the drug war but they target certain communities and put them in prison slavery you know uh behind those laws so i would say any reparations uh package um from the ad, from the point of view of a modern day abolitionist has to be the repeal and replacement of the 13th amendment so it has no exceptions Thank you for allowing me to give my input on on what uh, different forms of reparations.
1: Um, sure, and I'm actually glad you brought that up because it's, it's oftentimes when I talk about political prisoners and prisoners of war. I actually um, go further than that and I held back this time so I'm glad you actually (laughs) interjected that though you know one of the things I say and it's not necessarily and I qualify this and say it's not necessarily a position of encobra or um, you know hasn't been agreed upon point but I say that you know part of reparations would be the abolishment of prisons as well as as well as the release of all the brothers and sisters who are in jail would be could also be considered a reparations demand. You know, so yeah, we're definitely, um, you know, that is also part of the conversation, you know, the abolition um, uh, and ending of prisons in general, because I think that, you know, one of the things, like you so accurately cited from the 13th amendment, where it said with the exception of a a punishment for a crime, which means that slavery does still continue in the United States in the form of, in the form of the prison um, work and prison um, system. So, yeah, that is definitely um, something that would be addressed or need to be addressed, I would agree with, in terms of our reparations to means.
2: Okay. And for me, uh, working in the field of people coming from prisons, formerly incarcerated persons, we call them at the federal level, uh, people Mm -hmm. who've been incarcerated for a crime set by sometimes criminals themselves, but – I look at it as reparations need to also erase people's records automatically. That's number Mm -hmm. one. And allow people with crimes where some of their crimes were nonviolent, et cetera, to have the opportunity to work in what I call emerging markets, which may be our hemp markets, our marijuana markets. To me, those were pioneers in that particular market. And now our government wants to legalize it and make other folks accessible to the income from it, but still um use the slave method of prohibiting uh and and barring people of color from being in in legal industries now and reparations has to balance that whole field of the criminal justice system for people who've served time and you know they're no longer incarcerated. And then also, if they're in jail, how can you? How can a system hold a person in jail knowing that when they when they went to jail they had child support or they had children to feed and not pay them so that the children can still be fed? You know, from the parents who may be incarcerated. And that whole system brings down generation after generation of people when they incarcerate them. That takes away support from the families. And we've dealt with that on mass incarceration issues how um, the slavery system of incarceration impacts families generationally and continues the cycle of a slavery by third party demands from the government for free labor.
1: That's yes, right.
2: So we have to do, we have to put that on board. that. You know, they need to erase records. They need to pay people for work in the prison system because the prison system is actually listed on NASDAQ, which means that they sell stuff back to the federal government and they sell it at, at or above cost to other individuals or other businesses within the government from our tax money, and they make money off of it, but they use, utilize the people that they target for for mass incarceration as the slave labor. And right. that's not right. That's, you know, a continuation. It's a marked system of slavery by another name.
1: Exactly. So we're, we will be asserting that, there, that there's a form um, what's called restorative justice, which is actually a, a movement that's, that's um, emerging in the United States and, and other places as well. And restorative justice is really just based on um, indigenous and people of African descent um, Forms of, of justice and healing, and and usually, and actually, I like to say that people don't actually commit a crime. Again, that's a certain again, that's a certain mindset, but people do people can do things that that is a violation that can harm someone, or as I say, break the trust in the community. And if someone does that, then there are certain processes uh, uh, that were put in place in terms of community circles and things like that that were put in place. To address that and, and bring that person back into harmony with the person that they violated and with the entire community, because really, we believe in communal concepts, and, and so if someone violates an individual in the community, really it violated the whole community. And so there were processes put in place to address that. But again, that that could be a whole other show, too. I, I, I will probably say that all throughout these <laughs> programs, like, yeah, restorative justice, and uh criminal justice and reparations, uh, abolition, um, political prison, prisons of war, all of that um, is a very important subject
2: yeah so Brother DeMarco, it, I want to ask you a question too like go ahead. some of the unique ways people are engaging now in in reparations in the movement, and what can other black led grassroots organizations that are not necessarily in reparations, what can they do to become a collective movement maker on the issue rather than being a a competitive type of movement uh, as individuals so that we can collectively move forward together? What are some of the things that black-led grassroots organizations or black-led groups of individuals who want to do something in the movement
1: what are some of the things that they can do well the short answer for me would be joining cobra quite simply because in cobra first of all it stands for the national coalition of blacks for reparations in america and when in cobra was organized it was organized primarily with organizations and individuals but primarily with organizations and those, particularly those organizations that were initially called together with those organizations who already, say, have uh, reparations as one of their tenants or something that they support, but it wasn't necessarily something that they were fully um, pushing or or at the top of their list of issues that they were pushing again, organizations like the New African People's Organization. At that time, the government, the provincial government of the Republic of Africa, the National Council of Black Lawyers, and other organizations and formations came together in the formation of INCOBRA. And so they had uh, one of the first convening meetings, as you'll see on our website, was September 26, 1987. But actually, INCOBRA didn't officially... Um, Get incorporated until February of 1988, and in coming out of some meetings that were held in Washington, D.C. And so, um, after incorpor incorporated, um, they began to they after I think in 1990 they had their first we had our first national uh, convention in Washington, and then from that year on we've continued to have national conventions moving it around to different cities, primarily cities where we have in Cobra chapters. Uh, The last convention, which we've talked about before, was just in Detroit, uh, in Detroit, Michigan in in June. And so our conventions are usually every year around the fourth weekend of June. And in addition to that, we have, as I said, we have chapters and organizational affiliates around the country. Um, We even have uh, chapters and um, supporters in Europe and in the Caribbean and in Africa. Um, what INCOBRA also did was to engage uh, us, Is to, we created nine commissions, and the idea from the, of the commissions were these were like where, how we were going to organize the work of INCOBRA, how we would go about getting reparations through these different um, areas. So those commissions are economic development, Human resources, legal strategies, legislation, information and media, membership and organizational development, international affairs, youth, and education. And then we also have standing committees. We have our nomination committee, executive committee, the convention committee, and the Ache committee and national campaigns.
2: So that and means so somebody attached to any one of those, um, any one of those different points, can volunteer if they have expertise or just have a heart for it or have a passion for it, they can join Encobra and they can be attached to one of those committees moving the movement forward, right?
1: That is correct. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the mission statement of INCOBRA. Um, and I was thinking about discussing some of the different campaigns that we had, but I'm looking at the time now and seeing it, uh, time has moved fast We are coming to the close of the show. So, um, we'll save that for another show. We'll talk about some of the campaigns that INCOBRA has organized in the past, as well as what are some of the current campaigns that we're focused on now. Um, The mission of the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America is to win full reparations for black African descendants residing in the United States and its territories for the genocidal war against Africans that created the transatlantic slave trade, chattel slavery, Jim Crow, and chattel slavery's continuing vestiges, we call them maafa. To that end, a Cobra shall organize and mobilize all strata of these black communities into an effective mass-based reparations movement and COBRA shall also serve as a coordinating body for the reparations effort in the United States. Further, through its leadership role in the reparations movement within the United States and its territories, and COBRA recognizes reparations as a just demand for all African peoples and shall join with others in building the international reparations movement. And, again, I think that somewhat again, further answers the question you just asked me, Sister Bonita, which is the fact that, you know, to me, I I say to people in COBRA is the reparations table. You know, a lot of people say, well, there's different reparations organizations and stuff, and, and that may be true. However, to me, in COBRA represents the bringing together of all of the reparations organizations and even organizations that don't consider themselves reparations organizations to come together in support of the reparations movement. And I think that is what makes Encolba so unique. I know even here in Atlanta chapter, we can um, personally talk about how we have worked to bring in, in different organizations, whether it's the Nation of Islam Laws Foundation, Hebrew Um, National Action Network, NAACP, Delta Sigma Theta Fraternities, Sororities, uh, different grassroots organizations. We we work to we work to bring everyone to the table to advance reparations
2: So, uh, brother I also read that Queen Mother Moore was a member of Encobra until she died so, you know, for those who want to start from the queen and (laughs) end with the queen, will stay with the queen so I wanted to say that to uh, people who are looking for something to do and organizations that are looking to be a part of a collective movement. It doesn't matter that you have a, a reparations uh, committee or a reparations group. What we need to do is join together as a full force with one single goal, for reparations for African descendants in America. So um, we're asking you to come to, if we're in Atlanta, Come to our next meeting, which will be August the 11th at 3 p.m. at the neighborhood church in Candler Park, and learn more about what you can do to move forward in reparations as a collective and collective organization. Brother, Brother sure.
1: I'll let me. Yeah, and I'll just add, you know, for contact information, um, our website is in Cobra Online. That's N C O B R A in cobraonline.org um, you can reach me directly at reparations the letter J J at gmail.com uh, my number is 678-437-7882 again that's 678-437-7882 again uh Sister Bonita we welcome you to come and join with us uh, we will also in future um, shows we're gonna we'll highlight different chapters around the United States, different COVID chapters, and have some of their uh, leadership call in and share with us what they're doing locally in their area and their campaigns. So because we know this is broadcasting nationally and even internationally, so people may not be in Atlanta, but maybe in Indianapolis or Chicago or Detroit or Miami or uh, Selma and many other cities that we have chapters. And in Cobra supporters. 9%. All right. So you've been listening to Conversation Reparations. Conversation Reparations giving you uh, information about the reparations movement, past, present, and future. I do also want to give a quick update, which I just got an email a few hours ago saying that we have 104 co-sponsors of HR 40 which is amazing. I think the last time we reported out, we had 90 members. No, let me correct this. 106, 106 members of Congress have signed on as co-sponsors, which we said a hundred was the magic number that we needed to get. So we, we crossed that mark. So, uh, applause to the work of our legislative commission, applause to anybody out there who have called your Congressperson as we've urged you to do. And, um, and and whatever work that people may have had in addition to what INCOBRA has done. But this is really a monumental point that we have crossed over now with uh, the reparation movement. So if you didn't think it was possible, it's really happening right before our eyes right now. And we encourage you to be a part of it and don't be sitting on the sideline watching. Get involved. Conversation reparations.
2: Good night. No, we won't renounce the debt. America bounced the check. And no, it ain't all about the dough. But my people still pull
0: reparations and dues, so just give me what you hold. No, we won't renounce the debt. America bounced the check. And no, it ain't all about the dough. Bill reparations too, so just give me what you want. Capitalists are the enemy, but we get treated like the villain when prison is homicide, cause they're making a killing. And war generates more loot, so that's why Bush is going off. Half cocked like Joey Butterfuko, he don't care about jobs, it seems. So I gotta use my pen to get money like an ATM machine. The economy's at its lowest by far, so I'm black man gotta work hard like Mel porno stars to my soldiers.
4: Hey Cobra, hold your head, it's not over Jim Crow ain't dead, he just got a little older More colder, so we gotta be less passive, more bolder So the tail can wag the road when the playing field ain't level yet I thought you knew, only credit they'll get from me